the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review with Hugh Hewitt podcast, bringing to you the best voices on the stories and issues that matter. Helping make it all possible is the generous partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. Here's a piece yours truly hosted that I trust you will enjoy. Mike Allen of Axios, Axios.com, where you can sign up for Axios AM, Mike's daily newsletter, and you should do so today. The number two item in that. Good morning, Mike. I hope you had a great Sunday marked by uh, Game of Thrones and NFL Draft Talk. And uh, Nashville crushed it in the NFL Draft. Got lots of fantastic reviews as the host uh, for this event that used to be totally behind the scenes and is now a huge event of its own. Yes, they did. In fact, they disrupted many bachelorette parties and bachelor parties that went down to Nashville, and they found that they had 300,000 people there. It was wild. Of course, the people who really crushed it were the Cleveland Browns, Mike. I don't know if you've seen that, but they got Greedy Williams in the first round and Mac Wilson in the fifth round. But I digress. I want to go right to Axios AM's second uh, story today, which is the new tech fuels ancient hate. You're summarizing a Washington Post article by Mark Fisher, Roxana Popescu, and Kyla Epstein that notes Pittsburgh's Tree of Life synagogue attacked in October. Chabad of Poway yesterday or Saturday in San Diego. Christians at Easter services in Sri Lanka. Muslims in Christchurch, New Zealand. It is a non-denominational or all-denomination hatred that we're dealing with. Uh, no question. It's national. It's global. And Hugh... I know that uh, you agree that this is uh, an increasing debate for the platforms. How much responsibility do they have for it? What these have in common is that the perpetrators seem to either have been radicalized or seem to have posted manifestos or in some way were encouraged by what they were seeing or doing on social media. And there was a great... uh, column over the weekend by the New York Times, now New York Times, Charlie Warzel, and I know you've followed uh, Charlie over the years. You uh, recently became an opinion writer at the New York Times, and his piece, which he wrote very quickly uh, Sunday, mass shootings have become a sickening meme, and he points out that the online messages from the suspects, both in uh, Poway, uh, just up from San Diego, and at the New Zealand Mosque, the California synagogue and the uh, New Zealand Mosque were uh, similar. And here's the why it matters. Here's the one sentence you to pay attention to. This is Charlie Warzel in the New York Times says, The Internet has imprinted itself on modern hate crimes. And he's calling the platforms an amplification system for an ideology of white supremacy that only recently was relegated to the shadows. He's right. Uh, Over a dozen years ago, I wrote a book called Blog, and I said, look, the, the, the downside to this, I wrote in that book 12 years ago, is that it allows the marginal fanatics to connect. Uh, through the use of search terms, chat rooms, and other devices. And in their marginality, they, they used not to understand 
that there were other nuts around the world. Now they think they over, uh, because of that amplification that Charlie mentioned, they overestimate their numbers or their act. But the one thing we ought not to do, and I'm glad you didn't do it, Mike, is mention names of killers or manifestos. I think that's becoming common practice. And the New Zealand prime minister said, you'll never hear me say this individual's name. And I'm glad for that. But it does, it raises the question of not just bureau and law enforcement monitoring of of hate sites, but of self-monitoring by the people who host them. And I I honestly believe you're going to end up eventually with liability for the online companies for you know, the dead woman in Poway, the injured rabbi, I played his, uh, his wonderful remarks, his inspiring remarks in the first segment. I think they have to figure out how their uh, algorithm can spot these crazies. Uh, right, Hugh, because here's a different way to say it, that online hatred is now manifesting itself in the physical world, in sacred places. And here's another uh, vital phrase from Charlie Warzel, and this is the one that speaks directly to what you just said. This is the debate ahead, how social platforms can act as an accelerant for terroristic behavior. Yeah, yeah, it's clearly, it's, and then whether or not liability attaches to that will be up to the courts to decide. Uh, interesting to me is that Robbie George, professor at Princeton, also noted those who commit murder in church stand before God accused of killing, but also sacrilege. And it does seem to be, I mean, we had a shooting at a Colorado evangelical church 10 years ago after Columbine, before Aurora. And, you know, we know these things by their names, unfortunately, but it is a, uh, they had a border patrol with a weapon. The president noted that the Wisconsin rally, the rabbi noted he had asked him to do it. I think it's going to become commonplace in the mega churches that I have attended to speak at, always have security details with weapons. Uh, They're professionals, and this guy was a professional, thank goodness. They're not, you know, bringing a gun to church people, but it does seem to be the the future. Mike, I want to talk a little bit about politics with you because, of course, the big shakeup since last we spoke is that former Vice President Biden has entered the race, and he's entered the race, I think, in a in a predictable way, old school, raising money from large donors, and he's up in some polls at the top and other polls, you know, the Washington Post this morning, Scott Clement and the great Dan Balls, Biden holds slight advantage over nearest 2020 rivals, but Democrats are far from making a decision. Has anyone you know yet played out the primaries with the 15% rule, proportional delegation in place? Because it does seem to me like, boy, they have the wrong rule set for a field of at least 16 have qualified for the debate thus far, and four more are trying. Listen to this. This is how Axios' Lexi McCammon, who was down in Houston covering the She the People uh, rally uh, run by and focusing on topics uh, for women, of color of candidates uh, form the drew a bunch of the candidates. And uh, this is how Alexi says it, which is a great way to say it. Think about this field. Six people of color, six women, a gay man, of course, Mayor Pete. And who are the top two people in the polls? White guys, Joe Biden and Bernie Sanders. And so the way uh, she says it is you have the most diverse field of any party in history. And yet, the most diverse primary in history could end in kind of an ironic way. Yeah, now the New York Times is a great demographic today. Who's in the Democratic debates and who's in danger of missing them? The the June 26th and 27th back-to-back debates that uh, NBC is hosting, they have got uh, 
eight candidates who qualified with poll and the donor. You've either got to be about 1%, above 1%, or have 60,000 donors. Meeting both Bernie, Kamala Harris, Elizabeth Warren, Vice President Biden, Amy Klobuchar, the senator from Minnesota, Beto O'Rourke, the former congressman, Pete Buttigieg, and entrepreneur Yang. Uh, qualified with polling, but not yet the 60,000 donors are Cory Booker, Julian Castro, Kirsten Gillibrand, John Hickenlooper, John Delaney, Jay Inslee, and Tim Ryan, the congressman from Ohio. Qualified with donors, Tulsi Gabbard, which is unusual to me. Not currently qualified by either Seth Moulton, Eric Solwell, uh, a guy named Massam, who I do not know, and uh, Marianne Williamson, who I hope does not qualify, but I think Moulton will. So it looks to me like 17 or 18, two debates of nine, Mike. How unwieldy? Well, uh, I guess that's a little bit uh, time from some of the uh, Republican debates. But uh, Democrats, we talk to Democrats around the country. They're excited about the field. They're not in a rush. And uh, the reason when you ask them to explain why this diverse field like has a couple of non-diverse leaders, and again and again, you hear people say, we like the conversation about race that's going on in the country. The talk to Democrats at these events, Democratic activists, they say, what do you really want? And you say, we want someone who can beat President Trump. Like that trumps uh, the, the diversity uh, issue for them. Now, of course, those are not mutually exclusive, and that's what will unfold. Like, like as time goes by, is that person to beat Trump really Bernie? You know, they're going to question that. Is it really Vice President Biden? Like, we'll see. Like, that'll have a lot to do with his staying power. But that is the way you square the circle of this field versus the polls. Now, I, I do think eventually they're going to have to let Seth Moulton and Eric Solwell in. They're going to find a way. Seth Moulton just declared that's why he's not there. And I think he'll get to 65,000 donations, which is their cutoff. So they got two two debates of 10. And, uh, you know, our rule of thumb roughly in the CNN Salem debates on the Republican side was no candidate gets more airtime. 100% more airtime than the lowest level candidate. So if Carly Fiorina got nine minutes, Donald Trump only got 18 minutes. I think that's a pretty fair way of doing it. How do you recall the split being fair or unfair across all dozen debates? There were four from CNN and eight from the other networks, Mike Allen, from four years ago. You know, uh, the idea here was to find a formula that allows you to avoid the kids' table approach in an A debate and a B debate. So you're in or you're out and uh, there'd be two of them back to back. And like the Democrats that we've uh, talked to, like that. And like they will say to you, like, why should we winnow it even further when your first voting is until January 2020? Yeah, and I also think that, that they've decided to just draw position by lot, which makes a lot more second uh, sense as well. Let me finally close by another Axios AM uh, nugget. $1.2 billion for Avengers Endgame. Game of Thrones yesterday. I like the movie Breakthrough. I don't know if you've had a chance to see it, Mike. I think you'd like it, too. I like all these different... It was an entertainment-packed weekend, but made sorrowful by the shooting in Poway. But I haven't seen an Avengers open. I don't remember a movie the last time we walked into the theater to see uh, Breakthrough, and it was jammed. I have not seen a movie jamming theaters like this, you know, the old Jaws summer blockbuster thing, in many years. No, and Sarah Fisher has a great piece on Axios showing, uh, pointing out that this shows that even in a streaming age, the theaters still matter. And, as you know, theaters have invested 
a lot here in Arlington, Virginia. We have a Barca Lounger at our uh, theater, like more and more theaters. You can pick your personal seat and uh, fancier food, like like all, just like the stadiums are doing, the stadiums that are putting in more Wi-Fi and uh, also going like higher-end uh, food options to try to lure in people when the view from their couch most of the time is going to be even better. And Hugh, you're going to love this at the Orange Bowl down in Florida, uh, New Year's, uh, just before New Year's Eve when uh, we were uh, watching Alabama roll tide. In that stadium, it, uh, it used to be Hard Rock. Um, uh, you'll think of what it is now. But in that uh, stadium in Miami Gardens, there are outside seats that look like Barca loungers, and they have individual TVs with them. So this is huh. not in a box. Like, this is in a regular section of the stadium. And uh, so uh, theaters are doing that, too. And it worked with Avengers. Run times, three hours, two Three hours. Days. i got to wait a couple of weeks for a boy to come back, but I will see it in a couple of weeks. It's a pretty amazing box office. for. They can't turn the movie that often. Mike Allen of Axios Ham. Follow him at Mike Allen on Twitter. Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review. Our program is coming today in partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. It's America's most unique graduate leadership program offered on Pepperdine's breathtaking campus in Malibu, California. Learn more at publicpolicy.pepperdine.edu. If you're enjoying the podcast, please tell a friend to go to Town Hall Review and sign up as well today. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.